because I wanted to write a book about my dad, a biography of him. And I wanted to title it, He Failed Gloriously. He was a wonderful, wonderful father, and he never hid his failures, and he, he lived among us humbly. Our guest on First Person is pastor and author Tim Bailey. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Tim is the author of Daddy Tried on the theme of fatherhood as he reflects on his own father, the late author and speaker, Joseph Bailey. Thanks for joining us for this interview. If you are new to this program, we have a website that can tell you more about us and give you the opportunity to listen to past broadcasts. It's firstpersoninterview.com. We also have a smartphone and tablet app you can use to listen, and you'll find the free app for both Apple and Android devices in your app store. Now, just before we start today's conversation, let me thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support in bringing each week's interview to you. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Tim Bailey is a pastor helping people grow in their walk with God. Along the way, he's learned some things about fatherhood, sometimes through his own personal failings and sometimes through thinking about his own father's faithful example, but ultimately through the firm, loving hand of his heavenly father. Tim is the author of Daddy Tried, Overcoming the Failures of Fatherhood. And as we began, we talked about his father's well-known books. Yeah, Dad was a realist. Uh, He wanted the title View from a Hearse. But the publisher changed it to the last thing we talk about, and I think the title of that is indicative of the kind of man he was. He was a straight shooter. He didn't try to put a veneer on things. And, of course, The Gospel Blimp actually was made into a movie by the same director, uh, Shorty Aworth, who did The Blob with Clint Eastwood. Uh, some people might remember that. Mm-hmm. And it's a satire, and it's it's just... It's hilarious. Both the book and and the film are very, very funny. It's a satire on how we do evangelism and trusting in technique instead of relationship. Right. It's amazing how durable that book is. It really is a fresh read for today, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very, very interesting today. Um, And then he wrote a novel called Winter Flight, where back in 1976 he was talking about the future when people would be put to sleep by the government because of the consumption of health care resources. And uh, nobody at the time thought, everybody, I remember my father-in-law, Ken Taylor, was thought Dad was an idiot, <laughs> you know, that he would write such a thing. But shortly before he died, Dad wrote me, and he said, your father was amazingly prescient in what yeah, he wrote. Right, he was, and, he really uh, was. Well, that's interesting. But that's the family you grew up in, and uh, I know it wasn't without its problems, and you, you talk honestly about that in, in your new book. Uh, talk to me about this book. What, what have you titled it? It's called Daddy Tried. It's a statement that comes at the end of a story that I tell in the book about my dad. You know, it's not a, it's not a title that is pretentious and tries to explain that I have a system that if you follow, your children will all you know, like Garrison Keillor, the above average, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, the subtitle is Overcoming the Failures of Fatherhood. And it, as I wrote it, my heart is really um, caught up with the uh, the attack upon fatherhood in our culture today, but also with the fear of their own failure and, and, and the feeling of, of incompetence, of 
of not wanting to fail. And I, I think we have to encourage Christian fathers to fail. Hmm. Because when, you, when, when the way you live is trying to avoid failure, it's, it's doomed to fail. Uh, I have often told people through the years that I wanted to write a book about my dad, a biography of him. And I wanted to title it, He Failed Gloriously. Mm. And that's really where this title of the book comes from, Daddy Tried. He was a wonderful, wonderful father, and he never hid his failures. And he, he lived among us humbly. And his failures were obvious, and I so, so appreciate having had a dad like that. Well, in this book uh, from Scripture, you show us that we need to fail in, in the right direction. Uh, can you explain mm-hmm. that? What do you mean by failing in the right direction? I do something at the beginning of the book, which is a little bit difficult, but certainly not commonly done, which is I talk about the fall and about original sin and about Adam's sin. And the reason I do that is I want us to understand that ever since Adam's sin, we are going to fail. And, and I think when I tell people that Scripture is God's Word, not man's Word, I explain that Scripture is the only book that's ever been written in history that parades the failures of its heroes, okay? And so we have to see that in Scripture, the patriarchs, the great men of faith are men like Peter, who denied the Lord three times after absolutely assuring Jesus that he would never abandon him. And so when I say fail in the right direction, it means that we have to be humble and realize that we are not God, that we are fallen men, that as Christians we continue to fail, but that to live a life of faith is to live a life of failing in the right direction, of of failing by faith, of having faith for our failures that God will use them in the lives of our children to make them godly. Now, Tim, here we are at Father's Day time, and uh, typically we like to hear, you know, real positive messages of fatherhood. And on the surface, this book can appear to be a little less than positive, but I I don't think that's your intention at all, is it? No, no. I think that if you talk to men about their fatherhood, every man realizes his failure as a husband and as a father. And if he doesn't realize it, I guarantee you his wife points it out to him. (laughs) She's a good wife. I don't think it's negative at all for us to commit ourselves to praying, you know, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and would you please take my failures and use them for your glory? Would you please uh, make my children godly? Would you please give me... uh, hope for my fatherhood. You know, in, in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so that could be viewed as negative also. You know, what are you talking about? Things that are, you're hoping for and that you don't see. But that's the nature of the Christian life of faith. Hmm. Um, we are looking towards a home in heaven, and this world is not our abiding place. And so I don't think it's negative at all. I think if we free up Christian fathers to realize that they are going to fail as they live by faith, I think that it strengthens them to be what they should be as fathers. Hmm. Well, again, that's such an interesting uh, twist on what, how we normally think, and it is biblical. I, uh, I, I noticed that uh, as I read the book that it really is a valuable book for fathers at any age, but especially for young fathers who perhaps are trying to be perfect and trying to avoid yep. making every mistake? You know what I mean. Absolutely, yep. 
I yeah, that's a that's a good insight. I have a lot of unbelieving children of unbelieving homes, divorce and stuff in our church. We have tons of children, and so a lot of young families. And what I notice is that young men that have grown up, and young women too, who have grown up in a home where there's been a divorce or something, the first time they have a fight with their wife, they think they're going to get divorced. (laughs) And they don't realize that in a good marriage, there are fights, there are arguments, and that this is part of how God sanctifies us. Well, the same thing is true of fatherhood. Men who, when they fail, they think, oh, I'm worthless, and then they abdicate, they abandon, they go emotionally distant. No, you're going to fail. Have faith for your failure that God came to save sinners, and that God also uses fathers who are sinners. So, yeah, perfectionism is absolutely toxic to good fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to the uh, the dad who's emotionally absent, and perhaps spiritually, too. You know, you, you experienced this, didn't you? Yeah, it was a little different for me. Um, I don't know if I should bring this up now, but in the book I talk about when my dad and mother lost three of their children when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And it's a very difficult thing. They lost them at three different times, one to leukemia, one to cystic fibrosis, and then the third one, uh, he was a hemophiliac, and he had a sweating accident on Christmas night. Mm-hmm. And my father and mother suffered tremendously because of those deaths, one on top of the other, and the final one being my dad's oldest child, and he was a godly, godly young man, 1918, uh, in college. And because of this, uh, dad sort of, I, I want to put this gently, he kind of went emotionally AWOL for a period of years. And I was just becoming an adolescent. I was just reached puberty at that time. And it was very difficult because he was in demand as a speaker. So he was out on the road, I would guess, over 50% of the time. And I love my father. My father was a wonderful father. And yet there was a lot of suffering at that time on the part of my father, on the part of my mother, and on my part, because my dad was really gone emotionally and, and physically a lot. And what I would say for fathers who maybe because of emotional incapacities, because maybe their father didn't love them, is that I think one of the things that we should do is we should talk to our sons and to our daughters about our fears about not being a good father. We should confess our sins to them. Uh, I don't want to engage in this modern habit of, you know, proclaiming our weakness as a way of never having to rise to any expectations. That's seductive and that's wrong. And yet it's very good for us as fathers to tell our wives what we're afraid of and not to be blustery and not to be withdrawn, but to name our fears and to tell them to our wives and also Uh, without losing our authority and leadership and responsibility, to explain to our children what our desires are in our relationship with them and to ask them to help us to be intimate with them emotionally, to ask them to help us be good fathers. I I think this is something that's very important to do as a dad. We'll continue today's conversation with pastor and author Tim Bailey, his book, Daddy Tried. Stay tuned. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to this week's edition of First Person, can I remind you to take a moment and visit the webpage firstpersoninterview.com? 
Click on the FEBC banner there and you'll hear stories of God at work in the lives of people touched by the programs produced by our dedicated staff. We take Christ to the world through radio and new technology. For more, go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. My guest today on First Person is Tim Bailey, pastor, author. Tim's book is Daddy Tried. Tim, uh, I've got several things I want to talk to you about in our remaining minutes together. Can I take you back to the fact that you grew up in a home that was stricken with grief? With uh, I think there were seven of your children and three died? Yes. Uh, three died when we were young. Um, and then another of my brothers, who was a pastor, died at the age of 40 a couple of years ago. He had cystic oh. fibrosis oh, boy. and left four children and a widow behind. Uh, I know we're talking about how that affected your father, who, um, understandably in many ways, and his grief kind of pulled back from the family a little bit, uh, even though he was such a well-known author and speaker. But how did it affect you as a young uh, person when when those around you were dying? Well, when I was just going into the ministry, I don't remember what it was, but some questionnaire that I had to fill out asked me what was the most important thing that had happened to me in my life. And Without hesitating, I said it was the death of my brothers. And I said it was a gift, and there's no question in my mind it's a gift. My dad used to quote somebody saying, Lord, burn eternity into our eyeballs. (laughs) And there's nothing that burns eternity into your eyeballs and familiarity with the death of your loved ones. And so there, there is an awareness that I have had in my life, which is a real gift from God, that life is a gift and that life is is exceedingly short and tenuous. And that God, my dad used to say that our children are on loan from God and God can call in his loan anytime he wants. And I think that that's been so helpful to me as a preacher and as as a dad to realize that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And so you live in the fear of God and the love of God. That's, uh, that's one thing that death does to you. You can't deny the existence of things that are extremely hard that we can't escape. And so one of my favorite statements from an old Puritan is, in the God we fear and love embrace. And I think that familiarity with death today is an unusual gift from God that we have had as a, as a family, and I think it's purified some of our thinking. It's maybe made us a little bit less susceptible to glitz. Hmm. You know, glitz is something that is quite popular in the church today. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't it doesn't look as as seductive maybe to us as it does to some other people. That's very helpful. You talk with great affection about your father in your book, but you're very open about uh, his failings as a father as well. Uh, that's an unusual combination. And, and, and one thing struck me particularly poignant was when you said one of the greatest acts of love your father ever showed you was kicking you out of the home. <laughs> can, can you talk about that? Are you willing to talk about that, Tim? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I think it's one of the most helpful things that my dad ever did. Yeah, my dad avoided conflict. He engaged in it, but he didn't enjoy it, okay? And so I was living at his house, and I was not, uh, you know, I was not an out-and-out rebel, but I was a rebel. 
in that, I was not pleasing God with my life, okay? How old were you at this time? It's hard for me to remember exactly how old I was, but I'm going to guess I was about 19. Okay. And so I was living in his home with my mother and with my younger brother, David, and Nathan. I wasn't a completely disruptive presence, you know, I wasn't, but I was not honoring God. And one Saturday morning, my dad said, hey, Tim, I want to say something to you. And I was headed upstairs. So I turned around on the second stair, and he was standing two stairs below me. And he looked at me, and he said, Tim, you're not honoring God with your life, and you may not live in my home any longer. He was that direct with you. That's all he said. And he just looked me in the eyes. There was there was no um, anger, but there was manly firmness. And at that moment, I knew that I had to choose between God and my, my flesh, you know, my sin, my, you know, and that my father was not going to keep me in his home because of his love for me, regardless of his fear about what might happen if he kicked me out. And I think that's such a common thing in Christian fatherhood where you think that you can keep your children in your home and protect them from God's judgment, from God's punishment, from discipline, from their own stupidity. And my dad had faith, more faith, I think, at that moment than almost any other time in his life, <laughs> that despite my, at the time, you know, it was the drug scene, it was tippydom, and so despite the fact that I wasn't a big drugger, but I did smoke dope at the time, and he knew it, and he knew that life was cheap with me. <laughs> but he had the faith to put me out of his home. And, you know, it's interesting. Just a few years ago, I, I, I was contacted by Phil Yancey, and he wrote a book called Put Amazing Back Into Grace, or I think that's the title. I don't remember the exact one. And he said to me that he had heard a story about my dad who had come into my bedroom one night, late at night, and had shaken me awake and had said, Tim, I love you. And I had looked at him and I said, Dad, I love you. And he said, and my, what I heard was that when that happened, that brought you back to Jesus. And he said, I wanted to use that in the book, but I didn't get a chance to corroborate it with, you know, is it accurate? And so I didn't put it in, but I'd like to know, is that story accurate? And I wrote back and I said, actually, no, that's not the story at all. The story of my father's love is not the night he came into my bedroom and said, are you all right? Which did happen. I said, the real story of his life is when he put me out of his home. Yeah. Wow. Did it produce immediate results? By the way, I think the book is called What's So Amazing About Grace by Phil Yancey. Um, did it have immediate results, or did it take time? It took time. It took time. You think of Jesus with his disciples, and he's, he's, he's often, you know, saying to them, Oh, you of little faith. You know, I'd like to say that I have a story where as soon as my father disciplined me, I repented. And from then on, it was every day and every way, things getting better and better. But that wasn't the way it worked. There was a lot of sin in me. There still is. Um, and it took several years um, for me to come back. And I will say that that it was a wonderful evening, night. That night, my dad woke me up. My Somebody had called my dad and said I was in jail. So he got up in Bartlett and drove into Wheaton, where I lived and found me, never been at my house. He had to go through all the bedrooms of that house where there were a bunch of hippies living, sleeping with women, you know, it was a melange, that home. 
my dad finally found me upstairs in the bedroom, shook me awake, and told me he loved me. And that certainly was a powerful night in my life, but not nearly as powerful as when he had the faith to remove me from his home and to make it clear to choose between God and my sin, and that he was on the side of God. And if I wanted him, I was going to have as my father. So yes, it didn't happen immediately, but I told my congregation for years that was the greatest act of love my father ever did, the greatest act to love him for more than anything else. He loved me enough to discipline me and to have faith in God for my future. What a great, great story. What's the bottom line of what you're, what you're communicating with this book, Tim? The bottom line is to live by faith as a father in a day that's very hostile to fatherhood. And I know that Father's Day is not a time when people want to hear about the opposition of our culture to fatherhood. We want to think that we all sentimentally love it. But the fact is, fatherhood is authority and responsibility. And our culture does not like authority. And so I want to encourage dads, Christian fathers, to live by faith and to not abdicate, to not their children emotionally, but to, to live by faith and to live knowing they're going to fail, but to continue to fail trying to be faithful to the fatherhood of God, to give a picture of that fatherhood to their children. And, uh, you know, God's fatherhood is the standard for us, and He has commanded us uh, that we are to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so um, I think as Christian fathers, we need to be encouraged to model ourselves after God. And, you know, in a day that really can't stand authority, we have to hold authority. We can't just be tender and sweet and kind. We have to hold authority in the home. But I think that our children will understand it. And, uh, you know, they'll fight against us. That's part of the thing of being children is that you have to be commanded to honor your father and your mother. But I want Christian fathers to live trying consciously to reflect the fatherhood of God. We've been talking today with Tim Bailey, a pastor and the author of the book, Daddy Tried. You can learn more about this book at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, if you joined us late, you can always listen to us online at firstpersoninterview.com or use the smartphone app to download any past program. Look for the app in your app store. And for comments on what you've heard today, please visit us on Facebook. Our address is facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. We always enjoy hearing from listeners. Once again, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. This program is made possible with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and you can learn more about FEBC's ministry by visiting our website, firstpersoninterview.com, and follow the banner link that you'll find there. I invite you to join us next week when we'll talk on Father's Day weekend with Nick and Boris Vujicic. Nick, a successful author and motivational speaker, was born without arms or legs, and he and his father will both be here to discuss the challenges and joys of their life. Don't miss this conversation. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.